Uh, we're glad that you're here with us. Uh, we're going to continue on today in our series called Bible Heroes. And if you're reading along through several Old Testament books that we're referencing over the course of this, we have these little bookmarks on the uh, info center in the lobby. I know a lot of you picked them up. We did catch a little editing fix uh, uh, that was just sort of fun because last time we did uh, some scripture stuff together, we did it as a scripture memory. And we didn't change it, so it still said scripture memory on the top. And then it has like the whole book of Joshua, the whole book of Judges, the whole book of Ruth. For and second Samuel. So like, if you want to be ambitious, if you're like, dang, these guys really, they're going after it. You know I mean? They're memorizing entire books of scripture. You go for it. That's all fine. But if you want to just read through, we would be honored if you would do that as well with us. You can pick that up and kind of know where we are in that process. Uh, so yeah, so Bible heroes, we're in the book of Joshua and we're going to be in Joshua five and six today. While you're flipping your Bibles over there, uh, I was remembering, uh, I was, so I'm listening to the radio. This was several years ago. I'm just in the car listening to like sports radio or something. I, in fact, I'm pretty sure it was Colin Cowherd. How many of you know who that is? Sports radio, Colin Cowherd, he does stuff. Okay, so he's, he's talking and he's taking calls from listeners. And this is, again, it's just kind of like just whatever sports stuff that's going on. And the person that calls in uh, begins to like just complain about their work situation. And they're saying, oh, my boss, he's an idiot. My boss doesn't know, da, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's amazing how many people work for idiot bosses, right? But uh, that sort of a common narrative. And so this person is like kind of unloading about this stuff. And then the host of the show, he says, um, maybe you'd be a happier person if you just learned to obey your boss. And it was sort of a weird moment. I mean, it was like a very countercultural moment because then he sort of goes on a little bit. He's like, yeah, he's like, I, I actually find that like obedience is something nobody wants to talk about. And he, I, I think about this with kids too. Like if kids would actually just learn to obey their parents, maybe, maybe they'd be a little less frustrated and everything like that. And it was as if we were all in a room, it was on the radio, but it was as if, we, if you were in a room and like all of the air is just sucked out of the room, like what did he just say? What did he say? And it sounded, even to me, like very countercultural. It was one of the most strange things I've heard in public media in that way. Um, many people, I think, didn't know what to do with it because many of the comments after that were, what are you talking about? You know, obey your boss and obey whatever. But here's my question. Was he right? What are we right? I mean, there's a lot of times we find ourselves in this miserable place. I don't like my boss. I don't like my parents or whatever. And I'm not suggesting that some of you don't have legitimately bad bosses. You might. You, you maybe do. You maybe have a really bad work situation. Some of us maybe didn't grow up with a very good home life. So this idea of, oh, just obey your parents and everything will work out. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be trite about that. Some of us grew up in very painful situations where you were in really rough family kind of situations. I'm not suggesting this is always just a universal simple thing. But I do wonder if there is something about obedience and finding some happiness and delight as opposed to angst. Today... Uh, last week we talked about courage matters, talking about Joshua 1, be strong and courageous, going into the land, new leadership stepping up. Today I want to have a very similar kind of message, but with a slightly different theme, and the title of today's message is Obedience Matters. Obedience Matters. And in the same way that I would say you are never going to do something of kingdom value and kingdom importance without the need for courage, because the work of God is always gonna be opposed, right? So there's going to be times, no matter what your calling specifically is, that you're going to need courage. You're gonna to need to screw up some courage to stand up and to do the thing that God is calling you to do. In a similar way, 
Obedience, which in a lot of ways gets such a bad rap. Obedience is felt as, as weak. Obedience is seen as like, well, you know, strength in our world is when you are strong enough, you know the answers, you don't submit to anybody. I don't take any crap from anybody. That's my strength, right? And yet Jesus comes along and he says, well, I'm gonna show strength to you in a totally different sort of way. That for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. That though all authority was given to him in heaven and on earth, and he could have done with it whatever he wanted, what he did with it was to give himself as a ransom for many and then invite naturally disobedient people into the journey with him. It's a totally different way of thinking about it. So I was wrestling with this whole idea. How do you best define this idea of obedience? How do we think about this well? How do we talk about this well? How do we uh, navigate this thing well? And as I was kind of in the midst of that, Amy and I were having dinner with some friends of ours and we were sitting down and they were just sharing with some things that they had been reading from Isaiah 11:3, which says these words, to delight in the fear of the Lord. Delight in the fear of the Lord. And so I started kind of chewing on that a little bit. It's like, yeah, you know, like this is what we're talking about when we're living a life of obedience to the Father. Ken Boa, he actually, he's a writer. He says it this way. He says, the fear of the Lord is a reverential awe for God because of his overwhelming otherness, but a delight because of his intimate relationship with us. So just to try to clarify a couple things right from the, from the get-go, the title of the message is Obedience Matters. And I want you to think about this idea of obedience as delight in the fear of the Lord. Some of us have raised kids, and so you know that raising kids provides all kinds of insight into the human condition. These are beautiful little people. They're full of creativity and full of curiosity and beauty and depravity. You know, it's like, where did you learn to be so selfish? Where did you learn to be such a little punk? How did this happen? And every parent at some point says the words that their parents said to them, which is, just do it because I said so. How many of you are parents and have used that phrase, right? How many of you heard your parents use that phrase? Just stop asking questions and just do it because I said so. Sometimes that's actually a very fine answer, incidentally, in the spirit of obedience. Sometimes just... just because someone in authority said, I want you to do this. It's actually a good enough reason at times to do that. Sometimes in parenting, that can be a sign of insecure parenting. Insecure parenting says, do what I tell you simply because I demand it. Now, here's a healthier version, though. Healthy parenting invites obedience because the result is actually a greater synergy. It's better interaction. It's joyful cooperation. It's relational depth. And here's the word that I think is really vital for some of us, especially when we think about submitting to and walking in obedience to your Heavenly Father. The phrase is this, that the words, trust me, are actually seen as an invitation and not a threat. That's what we're kind of going after in the heart of this message, that there is joy in obedience, which doesn't make it easy. 
There's everything in your old nature that will fight against that, but there's actually joy and obedience. So just as a straw poll, and this is not a hard question for us to answer, but answer it honestly if you can. If you have experienced that at some point in your walk with Jesus, like I have actually experienced the joy and obedience, even when it was hard. Just raise a hand so that I can sort of see who I'm talking to. A lot of us would say like, that's good. That's an important little testimony right there. That's an important testimony because there is somebody that's listening to this message that's like right in that place of saying, I don't know if there is actually joy and obedience. Joy and obedience actually sounds hard. It sounds daunting. It sounds uh, undoing. It sounds difficult or whatever. And yet we've just given some testimony right here. And I certainly have found that as well, that there's joy and obedience. Uh, when I start looking at um, people that I admire, uh, different authors that I've read all throughout history and different things like that, St. Teresa, George Mueller, Dwight Moody, Billy Graham, Oswald Chambers, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, all of these leaders, these great men and women, they like, all of them, to a person, elevate this notion of obedience to a really, really high level. So sometimes when you ask the question, like, well, what makes a spiritually great person great? And especially when you start to see these common themes, all of these great leaders throughout history have said, now, obedience is actually not a burden. Obedience is an important joy for us. I'm going to share several quotes from some of those. I have several more I won't share today, but some of them I'll, I'll weave into this message. So last week we stated that courage matters. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. This week we're gonna look at a similar theme that obedience matters. The first, the first part of this is uh, aligned. What do we learn from Joshua? That in, in his obedience, he was aligned with God's agenda. That's gonna be our first point. We're gonna talk about that. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Aligned with God's agenda. And we're gonna look at our first scripture block in Joshua 5. We're also gonna talk about how Joshua was intentional with God's instructions and then he showed respect for God's restrictions. And this is, in some ways, the simplest message that I will preach to you maybe in this whole series, and yet it's one of the most important ones. It's like we either get this or we don't get it, and when you get it, it moves the needle on your spiritual growth in a substantial way. So how many of you would like to see that happen? Just raise your hand. Like some of you are like, I don't know, I just kind of showed up, man, I'm not sure. But a lot of us are like, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Let's move the needle on our spiritual growth. So aligned with God's agenda, you may remember that last week when we were getting ready for the communion table, I took you to Joshua 5. Uh, Joshua 5 is this encounter, just real quick review, uh, that he's getting ready to, to go on this conquest, and he's about to, to face off with this first city, which is called Jericho. And it says that he encounters this stranger. Joshua 5.13 says, Joshua was near Jericho. He looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and he asked, are you for us or for our enemies? A, a, a good question, right? I mean, an, a natural question. He's kind of in like battle mode. He knows that this is gonna happen. It's gonna go down. He sees a man with a drawn sword, goes up to him. He says, are you, you for us? Are you for our enemies? And the response, which is so amazing, is neither. Neither. And he says, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Now, I guess the, th the part that feels a little confusing of this, in this is that, did God not just say to Joshua, be strong and courageous, I'm gonna be with you. This guy says, I'm the commander of the Lord's army, but he doesn't say I'm for you. He says, neither, I'm not for you, I'm not against you. 
And that actually gives us a really important clue with this idea of being aligned with God's agenda. Incidentally, uh, Joshua, there's several times that you're going to read about, we're going to read about two of them today, Joshua is now, now on his face. He realizes who he's talking to. He's, he's now on his face before this person. The person says, I'm commander of the Lord's army, I've come. It says, Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence, and he asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Fear of the Lord and service to the Lord, delight in the fear of the Lord. We see all of this kind of unfolding in Joshua's life. So now he's face down before this person, and look at the wording he says. What message does my Lord have for his servant? So a lot of commentators refer to this kind of scriptural account as a pre-incarnate encounter with Jesus Christ himself other commentators might say, no, it's something different. But many would say, no, this is actually a picture of Jesus. This is, not, this is before Advent. This is before he's come in the flesh to, to be on earth and to have his earthly ministry that he would actually show up. Other scriptures like that would be when there's a fourth person in the fire. Who's the fourth person that is there? And there are several other examples of what we would call a pre-incarnate picture of Christ. But the question that we explore here is this. Is God for us or is God against us? Joshua saying, are you for us or are you against us? And the, the answer is neither. There is a, what I would call, so we talk about alignment with God's agenda. There is what I would call this sort of political spirit that we need to contend with in ourselves and in our world, right? That essentially says, I will use God at the times it is convenient for my agenda, right? I, I got my plans, I've got the stuff that I want, I've got the election that I wanna win or whatever, so if I'm speaking to God-fearing people, I will use God-infused uh, language because I wanna use God to advance an earthly agenda. So the politician who becomes very God-conscious in their speeches but is simply using rhetoric to gain favor, I was actually taken back to this old song forever ago. How many of you guys know the name Steve Taylor? Does anybody know that name? Like Steve Taylor, he was an odd guy, a musician, uh, talented, but very odd. And uh, one of the lyrics from his song just stuck in my mind from uh, childhood was this one where he says, uh, and as I promised if elected on this election day, with the help of God Almighty, I'll do it my way. And that's kind of that political, kind of that political spirit that says, you know, I will invoke the name of God to get the things that I want. So Joshua gets a really clear message here. And here's what it is. Even God's people, even God's people will not use God to advance their agenda or their plan. So the, the inferred sort of counter option is here. Not is God with you, Joshua, but are you with him? And this actually brings us to our first challenge. I'm gonna, bring the, I'm gonna do each of these points. Each of the points kinda of has a challenge that I really want you to just latch onto and do some business with today. The first challenge is this. I will just call it like the alignment challenge. Whose agenda are you following? Like it is really easy to say, I wanna make my plan. You know, I get my plan down. I mean, Amy and I talk about this stuff all the time. We were just talking last night where I was lamenting about, oh, I just feel like I can't, uh, like I'm good at like getting my own ideas of plans together. And as a good Christian person, I'm always quick to say, Lord, I'm just asking you to bless these things. Here's the challenge. What if it's time to stop asking God to bless your plans? Just stop doing it. 
and actually start asking the question that is born out of a heart of obedience that actually reflects a heart of discipleship, which is to say this, God, what is it that you desire to do? Like, where is it that you are moving? What is it that you are requiring of me? What are you asking me to do? And this is where, again, this really subtle but important shift anchors us. I'll, I'll explain it to you this way. I remember one of our worship leaders, this was several years ago, he's coming up to me and he's talking about serving. And he, here's what he said. It's just so meaningful to me. He said, Pastor, here's what I want you to know. If it is beneficial to the church and to the kingdom to put me on the stage, then by all means, put me on the stage Tell me when to go. And if it is more beneficial to the church and to the kingdom to have me worship from the congregation, then put me in the seats and, and sit me down. What's he doing? He's saying, I'm not going to elevate my understanding of calling or gifting or planning beyond what God is asking for me to do. Somebody say amen to that. This is a difference maker. Right? I love calling. I love, I love it when people are looking for their calling. What is it God calling you to do? How is he gifting you? In all those kind of ways. But don't elevate that to the point you say, well, look, I'm the singer here. I'm the speaker here. I'm the planner here. I'm the leader here. Everybody else get out of my way because God's already blessing my plans. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a different way of serving is to say, God, what is it that you would have me do? The psalmist said this. He said, I'd rather be a servant in the house of the Lord. Because the important thing was, I want his presence. I want him. So maybe, the first challenge is this. Maybe today I stop asking God to bless my plans. I start asking the question, what is it that you're asking of me? And get in step with what he desires to do. That's point number one. Aligned with God's agenda. And Joshua found himself in that place. He was getting aligned with God's agenda. Second one is this. That Joshua was intentional with God's instructions. And I don't know why I labored over this message. Man, I was wrestling all week. I was wrestling, I was wrestling, I was wrestling. And uh, I think I finally came to the place, uh, asked Amy to pray with me, and we kind of, well, actually, maybe I think she finally said, Stop whining, let me pray with you. So, something like that. But anyway, it was loving. And, and, and I think. Part of what I've sensed the Lord saying is like, stop making obedience more complicated than it is. Stop making it harder than it is in your mind. You're trying to figure out and you know sketch all your diagrams of what obedience, like, oh, just make it simple. Be intentional with God's instructions as Joshua was. The bottom line is this. Say yes to the things that God calls you to say yes to. That's pretty simple, actually. But it will move the needle on your spiritual journey if you actually do it. Joshua 6 if you flip ahead a chapter, it says in verse two, the Lord said to Joshua, see I have delivered Jericho into your hands. This is so fascinating, just follow along here. Along with its king and its fighting men, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing their trumpets. And then he says when you hear the sound of the long blast of the trumpets. Everybody give a big shout. The walls are gonna fall down and the army's gonna go straight in. Okay, the point we're trying to make here is this. Be intentional with God's instruction. I want you to note just a couple of things. First of all, this is a very weird military plan. It's very odd. We'll get to that. Here's the things I want you to note. Number one, God calls the people to action even though the city is already delivered. 
what in the world does that mean? So like I've been chewing on this a lot, that like when you look at scripture and the interaction of God with people, even to the new covenant where we are now, God is like at work and he's doing these things and he doesn't need us. We hear that all the time, God doesn't need us, God doesn't need us. And he even says to Joshua, the city is already delivered to you. At which point, if I were Joshua, I would probably be inclined to be like, thanks, great. Tell us where to set up shop or whatever. But he doesn't stop there. He says, the city is delivered to you, but now you gotta get to work. Why God uses people at all is often puzzling, but it seems like the action being done is accompanied by the development and the maturity of his people. That's about the only thing I can think, because otherwise, why wouldn't God have said, hey, I promised you this land, I'll just drive the people out. Send them a plague, send them a swarm of locusts, send send them a tsunami, whatever. He said, but no, you're gonna go in and you're gonna do this. And as you do that, you're gonna learn to trust, you're gonna learn to build faith, and you're gonna learn obedience. So number one, we see that God calls them to action even though the city is already delivered. Number two, we see that the, the leaders give clarity do these things on these days and in this order. It was very kind of clear. We talked about that last week, how leadership is giving clarity. And the third one is this, that the success required doing something different. I am not a military strategist. I know very little about, you know, the, the Far East and, you know, how do you do, how do, you do uh, warfare in biblical times or whatever. I am quite certain that the strategy of walking around a city seven times and then seven times on the last, like, that was probably not a normal thing. In fact, if it was a normal thing, why didn't they do it ever again in the conquest? This is important. This is really important for us if we say, yes, we want to be obedient. We want to follow God and whatever he calls us to do. Then here's the thing. At some point, he's going to call you to do something different than what you already know. And that's where we get stuck. Right, because we said, I know how God works. I know what he's expecting. I know what he's called me to do. It's the way we've always done these kind of things. And sometimes, not every time, but sometimes he says, no, I'm gonna ask you to do something different. Again, critical question. What is it that you want us to do? So here's our second challenge. That's our second point. Here's our second challenge. It is the intentionality challenge. In other words, say yes. This is so simple. Say yes. If there's anything that God is asking of you that you have left undone. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you today to write down. Say, what are the things that I've left undone that I need to say yes to him? St. Teresa said it this way. She said, I know the power obedience has of making things easy which seem impossible. In other words, you you step forward into the thing that God has called you to do, even though it feels impossible, it feels at least very hard, and you find that that step of obedience actually begins to open the door that God says, look, you're gonna be all right. You're following what I'm asking you to do. Dwight Moody said it this way. He said, the Lord gives his people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to him. Delight in the fear of the Lord. So we're intentional with God's instructions. Um, here's the third one that Joshua showed in terms of leadership. Respect of God's restrictions. And the bottom line here is just like the last bottom line, is very simple. You need to say no. If you're gonna be obedient in your walk with Christ, you're gonna have to say no to the things that God calls you to say no to. 
I'll give you a real easy example, and then I'll give you a harder example, and then next week we'll talk about a much harder example. Joshua 6, a little bit farther along, verse 10, it says, Jesus, uh, Jesus, Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout and then shout. That was the, the, the instructions that God gave. Don't make a noise, don't talk which is odd, that's a very strange and maybe even weirdly intimidating way to walk around the city. They're probably like, people are walking around us saying nothing, being very quiet. Uh, This is very unnerving and strange, right, if you're Jericho. But he says, respect God's restrictions. There's gonna be stuff in obedience that he says, I want you to say yes to this, and the, the, the response of the obedient heart is, God, whatever you ask me to do, I'm gonna say yes. But there's gonna be things that God says, I want you to say no to. Don't do this, don't do this now, don't do this ever, whatever, don't do these things and so we've got to respect God's restrictions. And I'll show you why this becomes even more life or death important. If you flip ahead one more chapter, after the fall of Jericho, we see the sin of Achan. Achan kept for himself some of the, you know, the bounty, some of the, the, the treasury that came out of Jericho, even though the instructions were, don't, don't do that. Everything from the treasury is going to go here. Everything else basically devoted to destruction. That was the instruction for God's people. Um, after Achan does this, the Israelites go on to the next city, and when they scout the city, they come back to Joshua, and they say, Jericho was, was a piece of cake. This is going to be even easier. It's a smaller city. You don't even have to send the whole army up. Just send a little group of them up, and we'll take over the city or whatever. I mean, just they got this all figured out. You know what I mean? Like, obedience, you, you do one thing right, and then it's kind of like, man, we got this whole thing down or whatever. So now they're cocky. Pride goes before the fall. They go up, and they lose at, at Ai or I, the, the next city that is on the list. And now they can't figure out what's going on, and Joshua, he's on his face again, and he's praying to the Lord, like, what, what's going on? You said you were going to be with us, and now we just had this military defeat. Look at verse 10 of Joshua 7. It says, The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things. They've done all this. Now, this is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and they run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Now, I want you to note just a couple of things. It was the presence of these things devoted to destruction in the midst of God's people caused the blessing and the protection of God to be lifted from his people until those forbidden things and sinful violators were eliminated. A couple of the things, though, that stand out. Okay, well, you, so you've got to say no to the things that God says to say no to. This is very basic, simple obedience. Look at this now, though. <laughs> Joshua's on his face before God, and he's praying, and the message that he hears is this. What are you doing on your face? Get up. Stop praying. As if today, there's, there's a time not to pray. And when God is saying, you've got a job that you've got to do, it's time to get up and move on that thing. Don't wallow and sit around, well, God, I'm just waiting to to linger and all that stuff. He says to Joshua, get up. It's time to actually move. Stop praying, start fixing the problem. Verse 12, the Israelites have been made liable to destruction. Now, here's a question I want you to think about. First of all, how many of you are thankful we are in a new covenant with God and not the old covenant? Yeah, you read the story of Achan, you'll be really thankful that that's true. 
That used to scare me to death when I was a little kid. I was imagining that, thinking about my own junk and my own sin. And what happens in the story of Israel is terrifying. They come up clan by clan. All right, you guys sit down. We're going to do business with the sin is here in this group. Then they come up group by group. All right, you guys sit down. It's in this group. And you can imagine kind of the, the walls closing in on Achan and his family where you realize, okay, you're, you're the guy that has brought in the disobedience and removed the favor of the Lord. The old covenant solution to that was you've got to eradicate it. He's got to go. It was capital punishment. Now here's, while you're thinking about that and being grateful for the new covenant that you're in, which you are in today in Christ, here's the question I would ask you to think about. Is it possible that the lack of power that we see oftentimes in the church is that we are simply too full of the things that God has been telling us to say no to. Think about it. You know, Old Covenant, New Covenant, hidden sin is a real thing. Hidden sin siphons off the joy. Hidden sin erodes your confidence. And yet, here's the huge difference. Old Covenant, the answer to that was you need to eradicate In the new covenant, Jesus has already paid the price so that now he says this. Some of you are dealing with hidden sin right now. You're dealing with stuff and you know what it is and the Holy Spirit's already told you and you need to say no to certain things but your willpower's weak and all that kind of stuff. We've all been there. That's part of growing. It's part of learning. 1 John 1, 7 tells us this. If we walk in the light, this is a new covenant promise that old covenant people don't have. You can bring your junk out into the light, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Somebody say amen to that this morning. Man, that's a better covenant. That's a better deal, right? This is a major issue for the old covenant follower of God. The sin had to be eradicated so that the power and the presence of God will be flowing through them again. What a wonderful gospel invitation that we can actually see from our perspective now. Achan fell under judgment so that God's people could walk in freedom. Jesus fell under judgment so that forgiveness of sin may be extended to all people. This is new covenant. The old covenant community had to eradicate the sinful offender. The new covenant community works together to eradicate the sinful habit so that we may walk in fellowship and have purity. Listen, here's here's the thing. If you remember nothing else from this message, somebody needs to hear this today. When you come to salvation in Jesus Christ, that is your first significant step of obedience, because what you are saying at that moment, just think about everything we just said, Achan's sin and the eradication, all that stuff. What you do in that moment of salvation is you say, the finished work of Christ extended to me, I will receive. From that moment, you entirely stop relying upon your track record. All of your hidden sin, all of your junk, all of that stuff gets taken to the cross where it is ultimately eradicated. What a better covenant we have. What a shame to miss this, 
right? So when, when your culture tells you obedience is weak, you know, and you gotta take care of your stuff, and you're the one who tells other people, not the other way around, all that, the invitation of Christ is that when we get it right, we actually say, all right, my track record, I take to the foot of the cross, I receive from him his finished work. That is your first step of significant obedience. It's God's way, it's not my way, and it is better. So the challenge is to say no. Don't keep doing a thing that God has already said no to. In confession, there is healing. In community, there is growth. In Christ, there is grace, and there is help to help us in our time of need. If the church stops performing and pretending and start getting real to say, I'm still in need. I still got some stuff I gotta deal with. And so do you. We actually see God opening up the door for us to grow in him. Confession, there's healing. In community, there's growth. In Christ, there's grace and there's help in our time of need. And so Joshua is learning all these things in obedience. And it says at the end of chapter six, so the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. There is delight in the fear of the Lord. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about obedience. So here's what we're gonna do next week. Next week, um, Jesus said to love our enemies, but Joshua called, <laughs> Joshua was called to drive them out to fight and to kill. How do we handle the violence in the arc of God's redemptive story? That's where we're gonna go next week. Um, incidentally, worship team, you can come up. On that happy note of uh, killing and everything else, come on up and lead us forward. I actually do wanna give you a, a, a prayer response today. You know, last week we said courage matters. This week we're saying obedience matters. It's simple, but it will move the needle in your spiritual growth and spiritual journey. We're gonna have one more week in Joshua where we talk about faithfulness matters. Not running past this, because it's simple enough. We say, yes, yeah, sure, obedience matters. Disobedience is bad. Obedience is good. We wanna, you know, I mean, it's like you can, you can gloss over that. But I, what, I, what I wanna ask you to do is just to take a moment today, just a Holy Spirit moment, and let me just simply ask you this question. Is there any part of your life that you are sensing the Holy Spirit say, you're just not in alignment? You're not in alignment. You got all your plans, you got all your ideas, you got all your things that you're going after. Just, you need to kind of humble yourself and get in alignment with me. Is there anything in your life that today, Holy Spirit has already revealed to you to say, I gotta say yes to this thing. I gotta have a hard conversation. I've gotta start a new discipline. I've got to move forward in the thing that God has asked me to move forward in because I've been kind of keeping, I know he's been calling me to do it, but I've been kind of keeping it at an arm's distance. So today I'm, I'm saying yes to the Lord. Today, maybe there's something that you would say, you've already, you've, the Holy Spirit's already showed it to you, right? I know that thing I gotta say no to. That thing I keep running to. Uh, that thing that I keep, you know, it's just that stuff people don't really know about. It's just kind of my own, my own stuff, my own journey, my own hidden sin, what, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and it might be something simple. It might be little. Obedience matters, right? So maybe it's an alignment thing. Maybe it's an answer yes. Maybe it's an answer no. I guess what I would simply ask you to do is to think about this. Just do the next thing that God is asking of you. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would have courage and that you would have faith, that you would have strength to do that because hard things are worth doing. And obedience is oftentimes a very, very hard thing. So I want to pray for you, and I'm going to ask you just to respond in this way. Just every eye closed and stuff. Father, we, we just want to ask for your Holy Spirit 
just to stir right now, uh, that you would awaken to us. We, we get too distracted, God. We sometimes miss, and I love that call that we heard this morning as Carmen said, just be present in the moment. We do not want to miss what you are saying to us. So to all who are able to be present right now, let me ask you to just simply do the, reflect on this. The Holy Spirit has already showed you something to say, that's an adjustment. That's an adjustment that, that, that he's calling you to make. Just raise a hand real quick. I just want to see who you are, if there's anybody in the room. You got a yes to say yes to, a no to say no to, an adjustment. Yeah, tons of hands are up here, tons of hands. Let me tell you why that's encouraging and why you should be encouraged and never ashamed about that. If you have not seen the conviction, the direction, the correction, or the change of the Holy Spirit in your life to say yes to something or to say no to something or to make an alignment adjustment, if you don't have that, you are not growing. You're not growing. So that's why we're not ashamed of it. So God, I want to just say today, would you help every person that is saying yes to you in a new way, I pray you would give them courage and strength today to do that. To the person who's saying, no, I've got to I've guard against this thing, uh, I'm just asking Jesus that you would give uh, help in this time as well. For every alignment that needs to happen, I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to be aligned with you today. I'm going to encourage you to do sort of three very simple things. You guys can start playing a little bit if you want to give us a little bit of music. Number one, so that's, that's you today. You're saying, hey, I'm responding to the Lord in obedience. Um, would you do this? Share that with a trusted friend today. Share that with a trusted friend. They might, not, they might be here. Maybe they're not here. If they're not here, give them a call. Just say, hey, I was in church today. God convicted me in this, and I just feel like I got to say yes to this. I got to say no. I got to get aligned in this. Whatever the specific thing is, you know what it is. The Holy Spirit's already put on your heart. Share that with one person today. You do not have to share that with me. I'm not in the process of micromanaging everybody else's journey of obedience. Believe me, I've got my own work to do as well, okay? So you don't have to share it with me, but share it with somebody. Because when you do that, what are you doing? You're beginning now to walk something out into the light as he is in the light. Okay, so 1 John 1, 7, you remember that as well. Share it with a friend. Uh, pray together for an obedient heart. Just say, hey, would you pray for me? Pray my heart would be obedient. You know? I know my old nature. I know the struggles and the challenges I have. I pray that my heart would be obedient. And then the third thing is this. Just, I, I want to encourage you to keep asking. Keep asking. This is where we grow. When the Holy Spirit shapes us and, and convicts us and changes, all, this is how we grow. So, so as a church, keep asking. As a follower of Christ, keep asking. Just do the next thing that he's asked you to do. Some of you guys are planners, and you're, you, you know, you're going to micromanage yourself to death if, if, if somebody lets you. So don't do that. Just do the next thing. Don't worry about where you're going to be six months from now, eight months from now, 12 months from now. Just do the next thing, even if it's simple, low-hanging fruit. The hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That is the human condition. That's my old nature every day. I wrestle with it. You wrestle with it too. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That's the response of an obedient heart that says, I want to keep growing in Christ. Jesus, we're grateful for what you have done. We love you. Cause us to reflect that love in our obedience as you've called us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.